0: We ask you, Lord, for the pastor, Lord, that you have put over us, my God. I would ask you, Lord, that you would anoint him from the top of his head to the sole of his feet, my God. That you would speak words of power and virtue, Lord. Your spirit giving the utterance, my God, for the edification of your people, Lord. I would ask you right now that you would quicken every scripture, Lord. That the truth will flow, Lord, unto your people, my God. Right now, Lord, we welcome your spirit, my God, to flow into every vessel, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, for there is no name like yours, Lord. You're right above every other name. You are the way, Lord, we understand. You are the truth, we understand. Oh, we feel your salvation here with us, Lord. We thank you right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord. We could today. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Remember tonight at uh, 5 o'clock, Brother Obed will be teaching the class, uh, the New Life class. It's going to be on overcoming temptation. So uh, those of you who haven't had the opportunity to go through this class, please come to this class. It will bless you. If you plan on being used uh, in leadership or whatever, in the choir or whatever, please come to this class because you need to know what's going on in spiritual warfare and how to worship God, how to praise the Lord, how to be involved in the Spirit. And these classes will help you do that. So that's at 5 o'clock. Brother Obed will be teaching this class. He's got a couple more classes to teach. Then there will be another teacher, and then they'll teach, and there will be another teacher after that, a total of five teachers. So please come to the classes so you can learn more about your walk with God if you have not uh, done that yet. Amen. 6 o'clock, we got the video on the prophetic uh, conference that took place in night this year not too long ago in florida it is awesome these men that are speaking are not first grade teachers they are they are scholars prophetic scholars in the area of prophecy and what is happening in in our time they are they are awesome teachers so you want to be here for that tonight he's going to be talking about uh, the new jerusalem the nasa with their high-tech satellites and stuff uh, telescope hubble telescope believe it is He ha- believes they've actually Uh, located the new Jerusalem so that's very fascinating also he's going to be talking about who's going to be in the bride who's going to go in the rapture of the church Uh, he's going to be talking about all kinds of interesting things he's going to be giving you testimonies and and, uh, things of men who had visions of of God and his throne and people that were actually approached by different uh, different angels or God himself uh, talking to them about their service in this earth So I'm telling you, these are some awesome things. You do not want to miss them. You want to bring your friends to this because it could mean that they end up getting saved through these videos. So that's at 6 o'clock tonight. We're going to watch about an hour and a half, about three different subjects tonight. That's just the first one that I told you about, just the first one. The second one is on Bible codes. The third one has to do with the nation of Israel. So they're very, very informative for us. They will be a blessing to you. Amen. We'll let our children go to their classes at this time, and the adults would turn with me to Leviticus chapter 8, please, in the Word of the Lord. Leviticus chapter 8. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Leviticus chapter 8, and if you'll look at verse 7, please, in your Bibles today. We're going to be looking at the high priest. We're going to be looking at the garments on the high priest. And study them, see how they apply to our lives in the Word of the Lord. All right, if you have it, say amen. Leviticus chapter 8, verse 7. Let's start at verse 6. Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. He put upon him the coat and girded him with the girdle and clothed him with the robe and put the ephod upon him... And he girded him with the curious girdle of the ephod, and bound it unto him therewith. He put the breastplate upon him also. He put in the breastplate the Urim and the Thummim. And he put the mitre upon his head also upon the mitre, even upon his forefront. Did he put the golden plate, the holy crown, as the Lord commanded Moses? And Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was therein and sanctified them. He sprinkled thereof upon the altar seven times, anointed the altar and all his vessels, both the laver and his foot, to sanctify them. And he poured of the anointing oil upon Aaron's head and anointed him to sanctify him. And Moses brought Aaron's sons and put coats upon them, girded them with girdles and put bonnets. Upon them as the Lord commanded Moses. And if you'll go over to chapter 9, after the offering of the proper sacrifices here by Aaron, the Bible says the response of God to that, verse 22, it says, And Aaron lifted up his hand toward the people, blessed them, and came down from the offering of the sin offering and the burnt offering and peace offerings. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the congregation and came out and blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the people. And there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat, which when all the people saw, they shouted and fell on their faces." Let's worship the Lord. Lord God, we just praise you right now for your word today. We ask, God, that your word would go forth today, Lord, that nothing would hinder your word from going forth, that nothing would hinder you, God, in touching our lives and impacting our lives. Dear Lord Jesus, that we would receive your word today, God. We ask that you would anoint it as it goes forth. Take it to the heart of all of us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, in Jesus' name. Let's just praise His name one more time. God, we just praise Your name right now. The name which is above every name. The name of Jesus. Lord, we worship You. God, we thank You today for Your mighty Word. Your powerful Word. You're an awesome God. Dear Lord, we thank You for the truths that are found in it, God. We ask, your Lord, that you would inspire us, you would anoint us. We are not worthy, O oh God, to be a partaker, Lord, in this, God. But we thank you today that you have provided a way in Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. If you will look up here on this uh, picture here, this canvas, you will see this is the high priest. This is his garments here going to talk a little bit about the garments of the high priest and the significance of them. If you'll notice, first of all, as we talked to you last week about how that the high priest had the garments of the other priest underneath these beautiful garments that was on top of them, something that you need to know about the high priest, the high priest spoke of life. Aaron, whenever the Bible says that he went in there to the tabernacle and they placed that uh that branch that uh uh what was it can't believe i forgot that the almond branch the almond tree and he took that that dead branch he put it in there and god made it come alive so this this high priest here speaks of the life of god it speaks of jesus christ as high priest the high priest could not come in contact with death he could not touch a corpse if he touched a corpse, he was, he was defiled ceremonially. He could never come in the presence of a corpse. He could never even go to a funeral and mourn a funeral because everything about the high priest and the priesthood was talking to you about life. So when you talk about the high priest, you're talking about resurrection life. You're talking about Jesus Christ in his resurrection and his glory. Jesus is the high priest. First of all, let's look at this high priest here and talk about his garments. The white linen garments underneath uh, were worn by the sons of Aaron. They were only priests. They were not high priests. They did not have all these pu- beautiful garments on them. Only the linen garments uh, that the high priests had underneath these garments was what that they wore. These linen garments speak of the righteousness of Christ. It also speaks of a holy walk. So, when you talk about righteousness and you talk about holiness, number one, you have righteousness that has been given to you. So that when Jesus looks at you, He looks at you as, as forgiven, as righteous, because of what He's done on the cross. So I have been made the righteousness of Christ. Amen. But then also these garments not just talk about what has been given me, the righteousness that has been imputed to me, but it talks about my lifestyle of living out that righteousness before God or living out that holiness before the Lord. We talked about last week how that these garments uh, showed us that in living for the Lord and living a holy life for God, they are what? They are revealing God to the world. They are declaring that God is righteous. And by our holy lifestyle, what are we showing? If, by the way, if you weren't here last week, you missed an awesome lesson. I don't know that I've ever, if, if the Lord has ever te- helped me teach a perfect lesson, that was last week. Because God gave us some direction in this service last week. If you weren't here, you missed a lesson that you need to listen to. Because it explains to you your holiness and your walk with God. How that your holiness is showing that you have salvation. If you do not have holiness in your life, you need to check your life to see if you are even saved. Because saved people walk holy before God. They live a righteous life. If you don't live righteous and you don't live holy, then you better question whether or not you've got salvation. Because James 2 says faith without works is dead. And if you don't have the works to go with what you say you have, then what you say you have is not real, it's not alive, it's only dead. Alright. So whenever God gave you righteousness, then you begin to live out that righteousness by living holy for Him, obeying His word, and that declares that you have a real, genuine saving faith, not a dead faith that you just claim to have. Do you understand that? So we talked about that last week and, and we explained all these garments of, of the priests and what they represented. Now, again, this speaks of the righteous Christ, righteousness of Christ. It is holiness. It is what God gives us, and it's underneath all the garments. So that what He has, it came from our righteousness comes from Him, but we live it out in our lifestyle. Then upon that, uh, the garments of the regular priest. And by the way, just refresh your memory there. They had the linen breeches that covered down down to the knee. They covered the thigh. If you read Ezekiel uh, Exodus chapter twenty-eight, you will see. God says that those garments of all the priests, not just the high priests, but those garments were to be on their body. And it was to go down to the knee. It was not, uh, the thigh could not be revealed. If, it, if the thigh was revealed, it was nakedness before God. And it was so serious that if that man walked in the presence of God, having his thigh revealed, he was slain. He was slain. So God told him, He said, you make sure that you've got these linen, the linen breeches on that go down to the knee, and then upon that that you have the, the linen coat that goes down all the way down uh, by, almost to the ankle there, as you see right here, because it speaks to the righteous of Christ. Then you had the linen belt underneath it, the girdle that was underneath it. Not this one, but the other one that was underneath it, just like the rest of the priests had and the other priests also had a bonnet on their head. Now this high priest, we explained the bonnet to you last week, what that represented. It represented uh, exaltation and it represented subjection. But underneath the high priest, this mitre here, he also had the bonnet on. So he had the bonnet and then he had the turban on top of it. So all the garments of the regular priest, this high priest had upon his body and then he begins to talk about these other garments that were placed on top of these other garments which was the the high priest's garments and when you saw those garments you saw the glory and beauty these were the garments of glory and beauty when you saw that man walking you saw these beautiful garments that he wore and they all represented something to us they were telling us this is the glory of god this is the beauty of god here in these garments and he is the high priest of god now Let me just tell you a little bit before we get too much in the garments above these uh, linen uh, garments of the regular priests. The duties of this man. Number one, on the Day of Atonement, he offered the sacrifices for the whole nation. Okay? He was the one responsible on the Day of Atonement to do that. Number two, he was the, the supervisor over all of the other priests. They, did not, they had no work, absolutely no work that He did not supervise over them. So He was a supervisor. He could also not only offer the sacrifices of the Day of Atonement, but He could also enter in and do the work or the ministry of the other priest if He chose to. He could do any of those works of the other priest. Uh, those were, and also in the Urim and Thummim, or in this ephod, it was the Urim and Thummim. We'll explain that to you, that it's the wisdom of God. It's the knowledge of God. So he was the man of wisdom, the man of knowledge in all the camp of Israel to lead and guide the people into the ways of God, right? So those were a few things that he did as a, as a high priest. Now look with me in the word again, if you would, please. In Leviticus chapter eight, and let's read again, uh, verse seven. <clears throat> the Bible says, "Put upon him the coat." They put upon him the coat, goaded him with the girdle, and clothed him with the robe. So that's on top of the uh, the other the linen garments, the white linen garments, which speak of righteousness and holiness. Okay, he said, it, okay, they put the coat. Say the coat or the robe, it should be the robe, the robe. This was the robe. It was placed on top of these garments right here. It was solid blue in color. Now, in the Word of God, a robe like this is a symbol of office. It's a symbol of office. It is a symbol of His authority. And in many, many places, uh, you're like a judge, for example. They will give him a judge's robe that he wears when he sits on the stand, right? Well, what does that robe take? Well, that is a symbol of authority. You know, you ta- he takes that robe off, he's just, a- just another man, okay? But when he puts that robe on and he sits up there uh, on that platform, on that seat, and he begins to bring out judgment you can see that he's sat there and he's got authority and the state is behind him and that state has given him this robe of authority okay soon as he takes the robe off he's just another man walking among the streets but when he sits up there and he that, he has that robe on he's got some authority behind him so we see in the robe here we see the, uh, the symbol of authority in the symbol of the office of the high priest Now go with me over to Luke chapter 2 we'll explain this to you it is again solid blue in color solid blue and of course the blue speaks of what when you think of blue what do you think about you think of heaven okay the skies are blue the purple is royalty but the the blue uh, speaks of heaven so when you looked at the high priest you what would you think first of all well this this man's authority comes from heaven but in jesus christ it is a type that he is god among us that he came from heaven that he is the lord of glory that he is emmanuel with us god so when jesus walked this earth as high priest he was god among us from heaven as far as his deity is concerned now luke chapter 2 The Bible tells us in verse 8, There were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. Okay, keep that in mind. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Say Savior. Jesus, the name Jesus means Jehovah's Savior. So the God of glory, the God from heaven, has come and and manifest Himself in flesh. He is not the second person in the Trinity. He is God in His deity. He is Son in His humanity. All right? All right. The, even the Old Testament declares to you who Jesus is. That He is God, the, the Father among us from heaven. Not, okay. Now, the Bible says He is Savior. So again, the, the name of Jesus even tells me that He is Jehovah of the Old Testament come to save us. Now, how could God, how could Jehovah, how could the Lord save us? He had to come and robe himself in flesh. And that flesh was his sonship. And in his sonship, God, the Lord of glory, the Lord of heaven, the blue one with all authority and power, robed himself in that flesh and walked among men and then died as a man. God did not die, but Jesus died in his humanity. He died as a man. Praise the Lord. And that is the way that the Lord or Jehovah could save us is by Him robing Himself in flesh and walking among us and then dying for us. So that when you saw Jesus, Jesus said, when you've seen me, you have seen the Father. But yet we know He was the Son. Are you here today? Come on, somebody. Now so the Bible tells us that he is the Savior and if you read the Old Testament there's the Bible says there's only one Savior and his name is God <laughs> who is God so then the Bible says which is Christ the who? the Lord Christ the Lord so we have in the, the title Christ what do we have? we have his authority we have his robe his symbolic robe his title do you understand that? christ means the anointed one when you say christ you're talking about the anointed body of jesus christ you are talking about the anointed body say it with me the anointed body of jesus christ so he is the christ of god he is the anointed one so far as his humanity is concerned but he is the lord from glory so far as his deity is concerned you getting this So that Christ, when you say Jesus Christ, Christ is not His last name. (laughs) Jesus is His name. Christ is a title that is... It's a title. It is a a title of authority. It is a title of an anointing. And the name Christ means Messiah. And it means the Anointed One. Are you here? And Christ uh, explains... And unveils what the name of Jesus is okay let me say it again Christ explains the name of Jesus it unveils the name of Jesus to us so when you say he's the Christ of God then you are saying that he has has authority and how does he have authority he has authority as first of all three theocratic offices in the Old Testament number one prophet jesus was the christ of god he prophets were anointed so jesus was the anointed prophet of god he was the mouth of god he was the word of god so that he was anointed as prophet because christ is talking about his anointed all right now whenever man fell in the garden of eden they became bound they were in bondage in, in three different ways. Number one, they were in bondage concerning their understanding. They lost their understanding. The world today is, is, a, is a people full of uh, 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 no understanding. People are looking for answers. They don't understand. They don't have answers. So Jesus comes in that area where we were bound because of sin, because of the fall. He comes into this world as the prophet of God. He comes as the Word of God to us to give us understanding. Our minds were darkened when Adam fell. So we needed somebody to come in here with the truth and to give us some word and give us direction because we don't have understanding. We need a prophet. So he has, now again, the prophets had unusual garments. They wore these garments. And what were those garments? They were symbols of their offices. When you saw John, you could tell, hey, that's a prophet of God. Look at his garment. Look at his robe. Look at his apparel. He's got an anointing. He's got an authority. It's a symbol of what he is. And Jesus was a prophet of God. He was anointed. Are you here? But not only that, he was the priest, the high priest. Now, let me explain something to you before... I go too much further. Jesus Christ is a priest before resurrection. He has to be a priest before resurrection because the priest offered sacrifices for sin. So that Jesus, when he's hanging on the cross, he is offering himself as a sacrifice so that even before his resurrection, he's a priest. Okay? so that the priest is an anointed office of god in the theocracy of the old testament just as prophet is and when you looked at the priest they had certain garments on Looked at the high priest certain garments on they are all symbols of his authority symbols of his office and of course uh, a second thing that happened to man in the fall of the garden eden was that their emotions fail right you lost your joy you lost your victory all, all that stuff So we need a priest today to get us our joy back. The only way that you can get victory back and get joy back in your life is if you've got somebody that will offer a sacrifice for you that will pay the sin problem, take care of the sin problem, that will take care of the sin debt in your life. So you have a high priest that comes into the world and he offers himself as the sacrifice unto God so that I can get my joy back because sin has robbed me of my joy. It has robbed me of my victory. So here he is, the high priest of God. Amen? Somebody say, He's the bishop of our souls. Of our soul. To be the bishop of my soul means the soul, my soul is my mind, my will, and my emotions. And in order for him to be the bishop over that, that means that he's got to be my high priest. He's got to take care of the sin problem in my life so I can get the joy and can get the victory in my life. So he is the high priest. Number two, anointing. Third anointing is what? It's king, prophet, priest, and king. So kings—if you saw kings—even today, you look at kings in in, in uh, England or whatever. What do they do? They put on royal apparel. When they walk in there and they sit on their throne, man, they've got crowns on their heads. They've got royal garb. All, all, they're just pomp is all around them. Why? Because it is symbol of what they are. They have authority. They are monarchs. They are rulers. They are kings. They are queens. And there they are sitting. You'll never see a king or a queen sitting on the throne in, in street clothes. Because the garments are teaching you something today. That's why we have this in the Old Testament. They are showing you who Jesus would be. Now, when He comes, He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And He is anointed that way. Are you with me? He's not going to be the king when He ascends. He already is the king when He's walking the earth. Are you here? Say amen. Now, a king, of course, directs the will of the people into holiness. He's supposed to govern the society. He's supposed to govern the nation. And He's supposed to lead the people into holiness and love and devotion for God. Are you here? So that Jesus comes in the world. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And He gives me direction. Sometimes I don't know what to do. So as the King, He tells me what to do. He governs over my life as the King. And he, what is He doing? He's leading me into holiness. He's leading me into righteousness. He's re- leading me into devotion so that when Adam fell, he fell into three bondages. Okay, His mind was darkened. He didn't understand. His soul became downcast because of sin. And then he did not know what to do because he didn't have direction in his life. And that's the bondage of everybody that's in the world. But Jesus has come. He's got the authority. He's got the robe. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the high priest. He is the prophet of God who comes and he lets us know that we can be set free from bondage only through him. Only It's only through Jesus Christ. Somebody say, praise the Lord. So he is called Christ the Lord. Amen? Okay. Go back over to Leviticus chapter 8. Now Leviticus chapter 8, the Bible tells us, okay, you put this, the robe on top of the linen, the linen garments, the clothing. So it's a symbol of his authority, a symbol of his office, who he is, okay? Then the scripture tells us, and put the ephod upon him. Now what this is, this is the ephod right here. This is a jacket like uh, garment, and it is separated. It is in two pieces whereas the robe the linen robe here is not separated it does not have pieces it is sewn it has no seam in it no seam in it It means it wasn't cut and pieced together and sewed together from the very all the way the whole garment the robe is one solid piece it is seamless okay this ephod is different, though. This jacket called the ephod that goes on top of the blue robe is got it's two pieces. Okay, it's it's split. And it's held together at the top by chains and laces of blue, chains of gold and laces of blue. Okay, again. What does the blue speak of? He is God. He is from heaven, he's the Lord of glory. And then we see again we have gold what is gold speak of in the Word of God it speaks to us of his deity when you read about gold you're you're talking about the deity of Jesus Christ that he was God okay so these little these little bitty chains of gold and the ribbons of blue you can't see this on this not a real detailed picture but ribbons of blue and uh, chains of gold are clasping this ephod this jacket together okay and at the top of these little sockets right here of gold we have stones and they are made out of onyx they are both the same on the right shoulder on the left shoulder they are the same stone they are made out of onyx okay and they have engraved upon those stones they have six tribes of Israel on one side six tribes on the other side okay now, that was a really a miracle how they did this right here, how they were able to engrave these stones without taking a chisel out and t- chiseling the name out. But they, they had a process. They, they used snails and everything else because snails leave this acid behind. And they were able to put in, in these stones the six tribes of Israel through a very high-tech. You, you know, we think we got high-tech right now. They had high-tech. Okay? But they had, as I said, six uh, tribes on each... Uh, stone there, and the shoulders of the Lord is carrying them. Turn to Isaiah nine and six. Now, some of you may already know some of this, but that's that's good. But I want to repeat and repeat and repeat until you can teach it to somebody. Okay, Isaiah nine and verse six. What does the scripture say concerning Jesus Christ? Prophetically, some seven hundred years or so before he comes into the world, Isaiah 9:6. For unto us a child is born, say born. Unto us a son is given, say given. That's his humanity. Pretty easy, right? Everybody knows that. Say amen. So the child that's born, the son that's given, is his humanity, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. The government's gonna be on His shoulders. Are you here? Here in the high priest, we see on His shoulders the 12 tribes of Israel, six on each side, so that He is the one who is governing His people. Hmm. We are carried upon the shoulders of Jesus Christ. We are not carried upon uh, some idea. God governs His church. He's in charge of this body. He is in charge of the church throughout the world. He is the one that is carrying it on His shoulders, and we need to walk in His divine government. But it says, The government shall be upon His shoulders, and His name shall be called Wonderful. Amen. How many of y'all know Jesus is wonderful? He is wonderful. He is Counselor. Amen. Amen. He is the mighty God well I thought he just said he was the son and he was a child it did well then he goes on and tells you who else he is he's wonderful he's counselor and the mighty God so you got the son and the father at the same time in the person of Jesus Christ and there's only one person and God the Word of God never never will you find the Word of God God ever called a person talking about his spirit or his deity. Hebrews 1.3, when it talks about that Jesus is the expressed image of his person, it's not talking about a person. The literal translation is substance. He is the substance of God. When you saw him, you saw God. Come on, somebody. Yeah. We're going to get to the Bible. But here's what the Bible says. In his person, he is a child and he is a son. But he is also the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, and the everlasting Father. So that as the son, he he had a beginning. He is not the eternal son. That's not Bible. You will never, you will never see the Bible call Jesus in his sonship eternal. It's not a biblical concept because the sonship had a beginning. But he is called the everlasting father because the father had no beginning. He is everlasting. He is eternal. So as the father, Jesus is everlasting and he is eternal. But as the son, he was born in Bethlehem. So the Bible says his child was born, the son was given. You see that? I'm glad I know who he is. I'm glad I'm not all confused. The Bible says that He is one of the and then He's the everlasting Father. Say it with me. The everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David, upon His kingdom to order it, and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Okay so this shows you that he is the one that is the governor it tells you who he is he is the son and he is the father at the same time so that these tribes are carried upon the shoulder of the high priest aren't you glad that Jesus Christ is your strength see look let me explain something to you I know what I'm talking about when I'm fixed to tell you this if we look at the service that God has called the church into it will overwhelm us unless we understand That God is the one that is governing the church and He is carrying the church on His own shoulders. I'm not carrying it. You're not carrying it. He's carrying it. And isn't it very uh, amazing that six tribes are on one side and six tribes are on the other side? Whereas in the breastplate, we'll talk about that in a little bit, the tribes were inscribed individually. So what God is trying to show us is this, is that the body of Christ... We are, we are one body. We are in unity together. Amen? So that He carries us in unity together. Praise the Lord. But when we get over here to the breastplate, which was on the ephod. The ephod, this jacket, had a breastplate. And so what they would do is they would take a garment of linen and they would fold it. Okay. And, and, and when they folded it, they made a pocket. And on the inside of this uh, breastplate, they put the urim and the thummin. Okay? You still with me? But notice here that these stones, and they're not the same type of material. They're not the same mineral. This was onyx stones. Both of them the same, min- uh, same type of stone. But when you get here, they are different types of stone. And they all have the individual tribes inscribed upon them, 12 tribes here. Why? Because God is showing you the uniqueness of us individually. Not every one of us are the same kind of person. We are unique, we are different, but yet we are part of the body of Christ. But listen to me, the Lord Jesus never loses us in the crowd. We need unity in the body, but we don't ye- need uniformity. Uniformity means this that everybody is acts just exactly like each other. That is not Bible. Are you with me? Now I'm not talking about holiness and stuff like that. I'm talking about personality and the way you live and the way you serve God and your, you know, your all of that. Somebody say amen. Because God doesn't lose me in a crowd of people. I am unique. You are unique. You are special. And you're placed on the bosom and the heart of God. He loves you individually. He doesn't just look at a whole body here and say, that's my body. He looks at you individually and He says, that's my child. And they're unique, and they're different in their ways, their personalities, and all of that. And I love their uniqueness, and I love uh, their, their differentness. Somebody say amen. If there's something I cannot tolerate, it's for somebody, another Christian, to try to make me like they are. I will not tolerate that because God has given me my individuality he has given me my uniqueness and I am special in my own way and as I said uh, holiness that's a biblical principles but I'm talking about who you are as an individual you know supposed to act like and look like or uh, you know talk like everybody in the church talks the same yeah right it's not God it's not God it's uniformity it's manipulation it's control it's witchcraft and they call it the spirit of God oh don't get me going you know a lot of things a lot of people call real powerful preaching yeah I listen to it and I say oh well I, I get another picture out of that Are you with me today? Oh, well, hallelujah. Aren't you glad for your uniqueness and your individuality? Aren't you glad that God looks at you individually and says, Oh, I want to use them powerfully. See, when you prayed for that lady, Sister Martha, you know what God is showing you? He's showing you what He wants to do through you individually. He doesn't want us to be so uniform in our body that He can't use us individually. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose for everybody in this church. He wants to use you powerfully. Now That doesn't mean just step out and do your own thing and go your own way free-spirited. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying seek God's will and His purpose for your life because He wants to use you individually. You've got a special gift, a special enablement, a special anointing. You're a special person. You were created to serve God for a certain thing. Hallelujah! I mean, you know, some people got, they got a personality, they got a big mouth, and other people got another personality, they're real quiet. Hallelujah! Well, thank God for the big mouths, and thank God for the quiet ones. That doesn't mean that we have a right not to worship God and open our mouth and witness, I'm talking about our personality thank God for the Peters, the big mouse and thank God for the Johns, the contemplators and the thinkers somebody say amen Ooh. thank you Jesus so that we have them individually on the heart of God uniquely and precious to him he loves us today, he loves me individually he loves me when I walk out of this church and go my way and go out there He loves me. He watches over me. He's not just watching over me when I'm here in the body. He's got the body on His shoulders. He's governing the church. But He's also got me on His heart. He never forgets me. And He never forgets you. He knows what you're thinking at all times. He knows all the battles that you're going through at all times. Come on somebody. So that Jesus Christ is the one who carries me on his shoulders and has me on his heart so that as the high priest now listen to this this garment the garment that he had on here was so strong at the top exodus chapter 28 says it was like a coat of mail it was like a soldier's armor and you could not rip it to pieces and it was scarlet and it was blue and it was white are you here So that when I look at this, the work of Jesus Christ in my life cannot be ripped apart because I'm a part of His body. Are you here? It cannot be ripped apart by anybody. It is a strong, powerful work so that I can trust Him to carry me on His shoulders when I'm going through a trial. I can expect Him to walk with me through it. Amen? He came to liberate me. He came, uh, my infirmities, my weaknesses. The Bible says he bears my infirmities and my weaknesses. When you feel that weakness and that infirmity, here he comes. As a high priest, cannot tear it apart because he's there to bear my infirmities and carry me on my shoulders and lets me know I'm dear to his heart. Come on, somebody. Now, these, as I said, this garment was very, very strong. It... Is a picture of Jesus Christ as the one who has perfect knowledge because in the pocket there is the Urim and the Thummim somebody say praise the Lord Lord. but not only that this garment as you see it right here scarlet and blue uh, uh, and purple the colors and white that's in it there it is all showing you something about Jesus Christ and you know why you can't rip it apart because it's a strong thing, it's something that he's accomplished. He is in the blue, He is God. He has come to this earth as a man. He is God manifested in the flesh. I don't care what you've been taught. I don't care who stands and preaches to you, false doctrine. That doctrine will never be ripped apart. Jesus Christ is God, manifested in the flesh. He is the blue. Exodus 28 says, you can't rip that apart. Come on, somebody. But in the scarlet, he is a man. But yet more than a man. Adam, the word Adam means red. And so we see that he is the last Adam. He is red. He is scarlet. He had to come as a man. God had to come as a man, the heavenly one. Come to the earth and walk as a man in the dust of the earth. Are you here? But yet he was uh, even went lower than that. He was a worm. He said, I am the Word of the Psalms and no man. Why? Because He is the sacrificial Lamb of God for us. He went even lower than a man did when He died for us on the cross. And the little cocos worm that brings the scarlet color out, that dyes garments with, He is the one that shed the scarlet blood that allows us to be forgiven for our sins. So you can't rip that work apart because He's God come from heaven. And then He was a man uh, that died for you on the cross. And you'll never be able to destroy what Jesus Christ did for you me and the purple speaks of his kingship and his lordship so they look at this he came from heaven as God and became a man walked among this earth as a man became less than a man as a worm and died for us on the cross to redeem us but then the Bible says he ascended back up and he's sitting on a throne right now you can't rip that apart (laughs) And because I'm in his body, you can't rip apart the work of God in my life. Are you here? See, the enemy comes and he, yeah, well, I'm not, but anyway, when the enemy comes against me, you know what I say? Okay, God, uh, I don't know what you're going to do here, but I believe that you're able to turn this situation around uh, to bring something good out of it. I don't know how, but I know that the devil can't rip apart what you've done in my life. And the devil can't rip apart what Christ is and what he has done for me. It cannot be done. It is stronger than a soldier's garment. It is stronger than anything. It cannot be ripped. Somebody say amen. Amen. I mean, that thing was so tight on him, he became one with the ephod. Aren't you glad today that Jesus carries you on his heart, that he carries you on his shoulder, that he is one with us? And in that, as I got it, let us go to Revelation 1.14. Let's look at this. Praise God. And while you're turning there, I'm going to read verse 8 Leviticus chapter 8. He put the breastplate upon him, that, that double over linen garment. It's tied by the chains and everything to him and the robe or the uh, belt. The Bible says, also he put in the breastplate the Urim and the Thummim. Urim and Thummim, Revelation 1.14. Hallelujah. While you're getting that, let me explain to you the Urim and Thummim. We preached a message on the Urim and Thummim before. And we're not going to get into real, real detail of that today. But the Urim and the Thummim can be translated as lights and perfections. They were the wisdom of God. They were direction for God. Okay, from God to the people. So if a king wanted direction from God, he go to the high priest. The high priest pulled out the Urim and Thummim. It's debatable how they worked. Some say that one was white. Some say that another was black. You pulled out the white stone, it meant yes. You pulled out the black stone, it meant no. But it avoids the will of God and the purpose of God. And that's how they knew what God's will was. That's this, this is the way that they could, could con, come in contact with God's will, okay? Another possibility is that these stones, Urim and Thummim, lights and perfections, literally... Uh, radiated or glowed and when it was yes God put a strong light upon it if it was no then it was a dim type of thing so that they could know and discern that hey that's not the will of God if it shined brightly that's the will of God but what does all of this mean for me that is the type of that which is to come Revelation 1 14 tells you how many of y'all know that Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God to us if I need wisdom and understanding all I gotta do is go to the word of God the Spirit of God lives inside of me. I don't go to a high priest for him to pull out rocks out of his pockets. He don't pull out the Urim and Thummim anymore. I don't do that. I have the Spirit of God in me so that the Spirit of God says to me, this is the way. Walk ye in it. He speaks. Okay. And the Word of God gives me direction for my life. If I, if I want to know the will of God, I just got to read the Word and pray. So Revelation 1. Well, let me start with verse 9, because we see Jesus as the high priest here. He says, and I, John, uh, who also am, in, am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that's called Patmos. When you live for God, you're going to go through trials. You're going to go through testing. You're going to be sometimes maybe cast out on an island all by yourself. You're going to be lonely at times. You're going to be in the isle of Patmos. When you serve God, expect that. Are you here? but whenever you're there and you're, when God finally gets you by yourself He can finally give you some revelation He can give you some understanding okay. Oh my 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 See what God does is this He tries you that you may be made white so that you can have understanding Are you here? And sometimes He's got to get you all by yourself before He can do that Somebody say Amen so here he is he's suffering for the patience of Jesus Christ uh, for the word of God the Bible says and for the testimony of Jesus Christ hallelujah wonderful I mean it sounds like a real fun time doesn't it out there cast off on an island by yourself after shortly uh, before that being burned in hot oil you know because you, you were serving God you know out there living by yourself running around the mines there working in the mines there Barefooted and everything else. Really, he's a picture of a priest of God running around barefooted out there and those minds working, almost starving to death because he was serving and preaching the Word of God. The Bible says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Yeah. Saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book. Send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, Under Thyatira, under Sardis, under Philadelphia, and under Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, one like the Son of Man. Look how he's clothed. He's clothed with a garment down to the foot, just like the priest. Yeah. The Bible tells us he's girded about the paps with the golden girdle now it's golden girdle here all the way up to here down here all the way up to here a golden girdle declaring who he is and this is the priesthood of Jesus Christ then the Bible tells us right here his head of course the golden girdles up to the patch speak of majesty his head and his hair were white like wool as white as snow and his eyes were as a flame of fire he's the high priest look at this hair white as wool garment down to the foot. Paps girt about gold up to the, uh, his, his gird in the center, in the middle of his midsection all the way up to the paps and the golden gird standing there. His hair is white as wool. And then the Bible says his eyes are like a flame of fire. That is, he, see, he is the Urim and the Thummim. His eyes are like a flame of fire so that when you went to the high priest those stones lit up and they revealed the will of God in judgment or also in mercy. Do you understand that? Oh, hang in here, church. So that when Jesus Christ looks at me, He knows everything. He knows every secret thought I have. He knows every word I say. He knows everything that I do. It's all known by Him. There is nothing that is hid from God. He knows it all. And his eyes are a penetrating fire of flame. And he looks into the churches. And he sees what's going on in the churches. He looks in this church. And he knows what's going on in this church. He looks in my life. And he knows what's going on in my life. He looks at your life. And he knows all the details. Because he is the Urim and the Thummim. He reveals and he shows and he knows. Are you here today? Ananias and Sapphira go to church one morning. In Acts chapter 5. When they get there, they decided to lie to the Holy Ghost. They decide to lie to God. They walk up in church. Peter says, No, huh? you lie to the Holy Ghost. And Ananias, boom, he dies. And then here comes Sapphira, his wife. She walks in, thinking, Everything's cool. I got it all covered up. Got my lies all covered up. Come on, somebody. She walks in. The Holy, uh, Spirit, Peter, uh, uh, Spirit on Peter says, Nope. The same one that took your husband out is coming in here to tear you out too. Boom, she dies right there in church. Because God is a righteous God and He knows all things. And when He looks at us, He knows what's going on in our lives. He knows what we're covering up. He knows what we're lying about. He knows all the details. We might as well get right with God. So listen to me. When that started happening in the church... Oh, the Bible said everybody was, a, not everybody, but many people were afraid to join the church. Because it's not a social gathering like a lot of things that going on around here on. It was a holy body of Christ and the presence of the Urim and the Thummim was there. And his eyes saw Ananias. He saw Sapphira and they died because of their life. Yeah, come on somebody. Now, here's the thing. They were, people were afraid to join the church because of that. <laughs> because you know why? Oh, hey, we're, this is serious business. You're going to walk right in the presence of the Urim and Thummim himself. The one who knows all things, who knows everything about every church, and knows everything about every individual in that church. So, when I know that, when I know, you know what? That could scare me too but I'm comforted by the fact that He also knows my weaknesses. Yeah? I know that He knows everything about me. Are you here? But the answer is not fleeing from that presence. The answer is never to try to escape that judgment of God. Yeah? So that when you come to the house of God and you are confronted, or I am confronted, I'm convicted by the Spirit of God, by the Word of God, the answer is never to run away from the truth. You are to try to escape from the holy presence of the Urim and Thummim. That's not the answer. Well, come on, somebody. Are you here? The answer is to run to those eyes of fire. And look in those eyes of fire and say, Lord, you're right about me. You know everything. Yeah, that's right, God. You know all the details about my life. I run to those eyes of fire and I look them right in there. Look them in the eye and I say, yes, God. You know that's right and I know that's right so that when I flee to Him instead of judgment He can impute mercy to me. But if because He knows my weakness. But if I run in my weakness to try to escape God and escape Christ and escape His Word and His truth and His holiness and what He requires from me, I friend, I will be lost. I just need to run to Him and look at Him and say, yes, yes, Lord, you're right. Forgive me. Have mercy. And then He can give me mercy. And those churches in Revelation he said I'm calling you to repentance you've lost your first love repent and do the first works uh, you've got false doctrine uh, start preaching the truth uh, you got love to see your spirit uh, you're lukewarm uh, he said get on fire with me don't try to escape my judgment he said run to me that I may show mercy to you So you can get your life right again and you can start living by the Word of God again and you can get on fire again and not be spit out of His mouth. Flee to Him for mercy. Don't try to escape those eyes of fire. See, see, see God, He's looking at you and He's looking at me. And listen to me, church. Sometimes when I know God's got His... Magnifying glass on me, it scares me. It makes me want to shriek and cower underneath it. It makes me want to run from it. It makes me shake and tremble. It puts fear in this preacher. I get afraid sometimes when I know the fiery eyes of God are examining my life. But I know the only thing I can do is to flee to Him and look in those eyes and watch Him show mercy to me. See, Adam tried to run for God in the Old Testament. He ran from him whenever he appeared there in the Garden of Eden. He had sinned against God. He felt ashamed. He felt naked. So he tried to run from God. He should have ran to God. And he should have said, yes, Lord, you're right. You're absolutely right. I'm weak. I'm a sinner. I need mercy, God in my life I can't escape it God David said where shall I go where shall I go from your presence Lord heaven is your throne earth is your footstool where can I go from you, Lord? you even in hell. I can't, if I were to go make my bed in hell, I can't get away from your presence, God. I can't escape you, God. You, you know, oh God, I, I'm trying to run from God's indictments. I'm trying to run from God's accusation. He's accusing me, and rightly so. And I'm trying to run from that and trying to find a hiding place. And God is saying, that's not the answer. You've got to run to me. You can't escape my presence. See, what people don't realize is even in hell, the presence of the Lord is everywhere. But the only, listen, the only difference is that they can't access the presence of God in hell. Yeah. That's it. He's there, but they can't get to Him. They're banished from Him. They're separated from Him. It's the second death. Come on, somebody. you got to hear what I'm preaching to you right now. God's presence is in this place right now. He is everywhere present. He's outside of these doors. He's with me everywhere I go. If I die right now He goes with me then. But I just can't access His presence in hell. So the answer is to flee to Him right now. That's the answer. Oh goodness. And when you look at those eyes of fire you know what they do? They're x ray their x ray vision, they look right through you. They look, they see right through you. <laughs> the Spirit of God sees right through us. <laughs> we go to church, we think everything's cool, covered up and everything. The Spirit of sees right through us. Are you there? Are you with me right now? Come on, somebody. God is an awesome God, but I've got to flee to Him, not try to run from Him. Is this helping y'all today? Yeah. Say Urim and Thummim. He is the Urim and Thummim. Lights and perfections. You need to get that message and listen to it. It talks about our walk with God. Once Once we are saved, once we start walking with God, lights and perfections, what God requires of us. He's looking at us today, church. Judgment begins in the house of God. It don't begin out there. It begins right here. It begins with you and me. And I can run from it or I can stay right here, and I can say, God, I'm uncomfortable right now. Oh. But I will stay, God, Will you turn the heat up on me, I'm going to stay. When you turn x-ray vision up on me, and I feel, oh, you're looking at me, God, I'm going to stay there and let you look at me and say, yes, God. Come on, somebody. The difference between the bride of Christ. The child of God are those people who ha- have been willing to sit there and let the eyes of God look at them, examine their lives. They're willing to sit under the word when it's preached and puts them under conviction. Are you here today? Yeah, it's real easy somewhere else. But we want to live for the Lord, don't we? And we want to know God. Somebody say, Amen. And, and it's easy here. It's easy here for me if I just live for the Lord. See, but you know what the difference is? Those that are His, He's constantly observing. So if you want to be a child of God, get ready. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to be religious, go ahead. You won't have that scrutiny of God. And the Bible says His word is like a sharp two-edged sword. Are you here? It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word discern means critic. It criticizes you. I don't like to be criticized. Do you? it criticizes me maybe maybe I've covered up something maybe I haven't done what I'm supposed to do I come to church I get criticized I don't feel good don't run come to God say yes Lord you're right yeah I missed it there God somebody say praise the Lord God is an awesome God public Leviticus chapter 8 Verse 9, it also says, put the mitre upon his head. Before we do that, I want to get to the pomegranates and, and bells at the bottom of this robe. Yeah. The bells are gold. They speak to us of divine testimony. You know what? Every one of us, if you're born again, child of God, you have testimony. Amen? But not only do you have testimony, but you have divine, something happened to you divinely. You've been filled with the Holy Ghost. And the bells are, they make a noise. <laughs> Psalm says they make a joyful sound. <laughs> so that when the high priest walked in there on the Day of Atonement, if, if everything was okay and it, the sacrifice was accepted, he walked out and they still heard the bells, the joyful sound. The sacrifice has been accepted. God has forgiven us. Our sins are covered for another year. Oh, what a, what a wonderful joy that is to know today that if I'll just flee to him and say, forgive me, Lord, and wash me with your blood. I can walk out of the Holy of Holies with a joyful sound. I can walk out with a testimony that the blood of Jesus has redeemed me and cleansed me. But the real joyful sound is the bell, the divine bell, is when you get filled with the Spirit of God. And you begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. There's some bells that are sounding. And the angels are hearing the bells and your fellow saint beside you is hearing the joyful sound. They're hearing the they're hearing divine ringing of a bell. You have been filled with the Spirit of God. So that we should have a divine testimony. We should have a divine tongue. Somebody say amen. And then alternating every other one was a pomegranate. Pomegranate, you've got to reach up to get them grapes you got to reach up to get them are you with me they are in heaven you know when you were in egypt you bow down to get the leeks and the onions and the garlic in egypt you had to do this they grew in the ground but in order to get the fruit of heaven you got to reach for it if you don't stretch yourself if i listen if i don't stretch myself to reach for the fruit of heaven I will not get it. Somebody say amen. So the pomegranate is a fruit. It's up. It's in the heavens. But not only that, but it has seed in it. Amen. So it's a picture of fruitfulness. So in my life, I'm supposed to walk in this world and I have to be fruitful. And if I claim to be a child of God, people are going to see that in my life. I'm going to win souls and I'm going to have the fruit of the spirit in my life. That is fruitfulness. I should have seed in me. Yeah. Come on, somebody. They should hear that I've got a testimony. Oh, yes. And they should see that I've got fruit. I would ask you a question today. What kind of fruit am I producing? Ask yourself. What kind of fruit am I producing today? Am I producing fruits of the flesh or am I producing fruit of the spirit? And Christians are you with me see if you never get anything that I've preached to you please get this that our lifestyle and our fruitfulness and our testimony and the way we live is showing that what we have is a reality and if you don't have any of that you don't have anything and I hear these preachers on the radio say don't have to do nothing well, you do nothing and you get nothing. You don't repent. You don't get baptized in Jesus' name. You don't seek the Holy Ghost. You don't reap the fruit. I never heard so much chuck come over the radio, and these men are supposed to be renowned speakers throughout all Christendom and they're respected. I heard them. They don't, you don't have to do nothing. Don't have to repent. Don't even have to repent don't have to be baptized to this day. don't have to get the Holy Ghost. Do nothing, get nothing. I'm telling you. And after you become a child of God, listen to me. If you have really been born again, if your life hasn't changed, nothing's changed. Because if you've got real faith, you will be faithful. And true faith produces faithfulness. And if you don't have that, you need to get saved. You really, I mean, let me tell you, you really need to get born again instead of getting more religious. And that, listen, that goes for, uh, that goes for Pentecostals. See, Pentecostals can come, people can come to Pentecostal church and get religious. Pentecostal, uh, become a Pentecostal and fit in all the cliques and all the crowds and all that stuff and be lost. Come on, somebody. There are people that sit in Pentecostal churches. They're not saved. I know it's hard to believe. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you today? You better make sure that you've got more than religion. You better make sure you've got salvation, that you're born again. I don't want Pentecostal religion. I don't want charismatic religion. I don't want Baptist religion. I don't want Church of Christ religion. I want salvation, and I better make sure that I've got it. It's not a matter of going signing your name on a roll of a church somewhere. You could have your name on a church roll and be, not have it in the book of life. Come on, man. We must be fruitful and we've got a testimony. Something had happened to us. And everybody can tell it. Like I told you last week, there, I, I can, no, no man can guarantee you salvation or no man can condemn you to hell. You better make sure that you got your. Reservations made. You're not going to wake up in heaven someday and say, Well, I, I can't believe it, I made it. That's the biggest joke I've ever. When I get to heaven, I'm not going to be surprised. Man, I, I fought the good fight of faith. Man, I stayed with it when I felt like giving up. I, when I struggled, I can't trust in God. when I couldn't, didn't seem like I could go on anymore, I kept on going on, I'm not going to wake up in heaven and say I'm surprised (laughs) heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people You, you, you prepare to be there you don't just wake up by surprise and you're there you get ready to be there and you're going to have to fight all the way you're not just going to passively make it in you're going to have to fight rely on the spirit the devil wants to drown you he wants to destroy you with the world or somebody in the world or something in the world or the devil or your own flesh. He wants you to become weak and he wants you to give up. But you've got to overcome, the Bible says, to the churches. He is the Urim and the Thummim. He said, he that overcometh, You've got to overcome. God is showing me recently that I need to be stronger. That right now, if I had to face the ultimate, and that would be death for him. He's showing me right now that I'm a lot weaker than I think I am. Come on, somebody. It's harder to live for him. Are you with me? Somebody say amen. I'm telling you God's trying to talk to us today. He's trying to talk to me. I'm not preaching down to you. I'm preaching with you. Friend, we got a fight. When you got into the Christian, when you really got born again, you got into the fight of your life. You are in the fight of your life. God will give you the power to get the victory. Yes, all the things, all the tools we need, he's given to us. But we have to avail ourselves to it. We have to walk in What's the difference between some of you and some people that that, that aren't walking with God no more? You're still fighting. Every morning, every day of your life, you're fighting. The spirit over against the flesh. But you're refusing to give in. And you're refusing to become religious. You want to walk with God. well let me go on I'm going to close with this Leviticus chapter 8 and verse 9 he says "And put the mitre upon his head this shows a white mitre I'm not sure possibly blue actually on the top I do know this that on this mitre here this wound turban on the top of the other little cap we talked about that last week remember how could we oh yeah it's awesome it's awesome but that's all underneath. What we talked about last week is all underneath this one. So this one means more than what last week meant. And, and if, you, if you think I'm going to re-preach what I preached last week, for those all you use the word here, you're wrong. <laughs> no way. You need to be in the house of the Lord when we have church. Now I know sometimes some of you got to work. I know some of you are out of town. I know that. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to people that just don't bother to come. Okay, say amen. Do, do you understand who I'm talking to? Don't walk out of here and feel all bad. Well, I have to work. No, I'm not talking to you. Yes. Somebody say amen. amen. But for those of you who just didn't bother, and some of y'all, y'all, just, y'all say, Well, I just live too far. Well, you know what you need to do? Find a church in that town. If it's too far for you, find a church in the town that you can go to. Somebody say hallelujah. Or move to the town that your church is at. Now, if you can go from a distance, well, come, let's see. I'm not trying to run you off. Somebody say, praise God. But we talked about that hat last week, and I was blessed by it. But this one right here is very unique because only the high priest wore it. It's a turban wound around the top of his head above the other one. And on the front of it, there's a little gold plate, a real thin gold plate that's on the front of that crown on his forehead and it says holiness unto the Lord and it's held there by a blue lace of some kind are you here so that the high priest everywhere he walked listen to this all the priesthood were represented in the high priest are you here if all the priesthood was represented in the high priest and the high priest was there standing as represented for God everything was represented in that little crown right there, holiness unto the Lord. It is a holy sacrifice. It is a holy priesthood. It is a holy high priest. It's all holiness unto the Lord. Say unto the Lord. Unto the Lord. So where's this little gold crown? <clears throat> okay. Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Revelation 14 that there are people that have on their foreheads the name of the Lamb. Well, is that the name of Jesus? Possibly. But in the name of Jesus is holiness unto the Lord. So that when it says they have their na- His name in their foreheads, it is saying that they are holiness unto the Lord. They are set apart unto God. We have the type and then the fulfillment of the type of Revelation. Do you understand that? So that they are declaring. The high priest was declaring to everybody as he walked through the camp, holiness unto the Lord. Holiness unto the Lord. The cherubim or the seraphim in Isaiah 6 declaring holiness, holy, 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 holiness unto the Lord. Their whole focus is holiness unto the Lord. So that if Jesus Christ is my high priest, Then I am set apart for his purpose and I am to walk through this earth and declare the holiness of the Lord. Therefore, I may look different from the people in the world, but I am declaring holiness unto the Lord. He is my high priest. I'm under his authority. I'm subject to the high priest, the Lord of glory. Look at it. I'm declaring it. I'm walking. You are walking through the world and declaring holiness unto the Lord. But Revelation 13 talks about another company of people that are in the earth. They are earth dwellers, which means this. They have not set their heart on the things of eternity. Their whole focus is on the temporary and the earthly. They are called the earth dwellers. And in their forehead or in their right hand, there is a name written. But the Bible says the number of his name is 666. six so that there is a company of people today that are walking around, albeit not right now, with a physical mark on their head. But they have identified themselves with their high priest. And their high priest is Satan. And the number six is the number of man. And the number of six uh, the number of man is the number of man in rebellion against God and against His Word. So that there are people today who are walking this world that have the mark of the beast already on their heads right now with having taken it yet but they will take the mark of their high priest Satan in the tribulation period and they will be lost forever and ever and ever because they have identified themselves in rebellion against the God of glory but there are a group of people who now represent and understand that we are holiness unto the Lord that we have upon our foreheads the name of the Lamb of God we know that we declare in this word the holiness of the Lord everything we do everything we say, everything we, we hear, all those things are declaring I'm his and his man. He, he's mine. No he's my high priest. I'm under his authority, I'm subject to his word. I obey him. I'm not of this world. Are you here? Go with me to the book of Zechariah, and I'm going to close. Zechariah chapter 14. Thank you, Jesus. Start there in verse 19. <coughs> verse 19. <coughs> the Bible talks about the punishment of the millennial kingdom of those that will not go up to seek the Lord. Okay? verse 19 this shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all nations that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles in that day shall there be upon the bells of the horses what holiness unto the Lord oh goodness even on the horses bells engraved holiness unto the Lord you know what the characteristic of the kingdom kingdom age is holiness unto the Lord that even on the bells of the horses, holiness unto the Lord. Let me bring it down to you right now. We are living in this world and we are declaring holiness unto the Lord by everything we do. That's right. That's right. That's right. See, we, you know what we have done in the church? We have separated this, uh, the secular from uh, the spiritual, we have made compartments. <laughs> when we come to church, that's when we're focusing on God, that's when we're holiness unto the Lord. And then when we go out in the work week, this is my work week. When I get in my car and I'm driving, that's secular. God says in the kingdom age, even the horse's bells are going to have holiness unto the Lord. That means that when you drive, you're driving holiness unto the Lord it's not just when you come to church and worship God and pray Are you witness that you're serving the Lord it's when you're driving your car it's when you get up if you go out and play basketball holiness unto the Lord if you go out and play baseball holiness unto the Lord if you go out and fish holiness unto the Lord even your enjoyment is holiness unto the Lord it's not secular in spirit come on what God is trying to show but not only that I know I some of y'all this is you know what after everything I'll preach to you this is probably the most important thing I'm going to preach to you is that everything you do in life is holiness unto the Lord and you need to start seeing it that way I do too but let's keep reading let's find out some more and the pots in the Lord's house shall be like the bowls before the altar hmm. holiness unto the Lord Yea, every pot, uh, every pot in Jerusalem and in Judah shall be holiness unto the Lord. Every pot. So that when, when mama's in the kitchen cooking, she's holiness unto the Lord. She's serving the Lord when she's cooking the eggs. She's serving the Lord when she's washing the dishes. She's serving the Lord. No, I'm only going to be spiritual, you know. Yeah, I'm going to let my house go to pot. I'm not going to cook for my family. The Bible says even the pots have holiness under the Lord. <laughs> Maybe that'll help when you cook. If, if the ladies cook in your house, something the men cook in the house. If the men cook holiness under the Lord, brother. Oh, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm cooking some good meal. I'm, brother to like fried chicken, don't you, brother? I'm cooking some fried chicken right now. Boy, this is the holiness of the Lord, man. I drive my car down the road. Holy, the son of the Lord. I declare to the world that God is good. Are you with me? Let's quit compartment, you know, making compartments of our life. See, when I live, I live unto the Lord. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. If I'm playing this game over here with Michael, I mean, you know, and I'm winning real easy. (laughs) I mean, I look at that as holiness unto the Lord. I know you think I'm crazy, but I do. (laughs) He's at a disadvantage, he can't say one word. That's right. But so if we start looking at our life differently and understand that when we go out and we live, when we live, we're living holiness unto the Lord because we have been set apart. We are a child of God. We should be different. We should live different. There should be changes in our lives. Are you with me? We don't want to be caught up in sin of the world and, and all of that stuff, but not everything's sin. God is trying to show you that. Washing dishes. Holy Son of the Lord. Cook it. Holy Son of the Lord. Drive it. Holy Son of the Lord. Amen? Somebody say praise the Lord. So that when you get God in your life, you don't get bound. You get free. You get free. You walk out and everything. Oh, when you look at the trees, the trees are worshiping God. When Sister Martha gets in her hot rock, she punches that accelerator down and she hears them pipes go whoo. She said, holiness unto the Lord. She said, but I'm making these pipes sing for Jesus, man. Woo. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We got to pray for, for Martha Andretti over there, man. Oh, God's good. See, living for the Lord is not bondage. Living for the Lord is freedom. The problem is that I can get so caught up in some things that it becomes a bondage to me. My religion, my salvation, my walk with God can become a bondage. Instead of just a result of what I am in Him. And what I have in Him. And what He's done for me. And because of what He's done for me, I want to show it and declare it to the world. Holiness unto the Lord. Somebody say amen. amen. Let's stand. Let's just worship the Lord if we could. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, you're an awesome King. You're an awesome Savior. You're an awesome priest. We love you today. God, the closer we get to you, Lord, the more we realize our weaknesses. You show us ourselves not to bring us down, but to bring us up. Lord, we rely upon you right now. We flee to you right now. We ask God the precious blood that you shed for us on the cross. We apply it to our own minds, hearts, souls this morning. We ask you to cleanse and forgive us. We leave this place today, God, having had the anointing of the Spirit of God with the blood of Jesus mingled together, applied to our lives. We walk out of here free people, delivered, set free, healed. You're our high priest. We thank you, God, that you walk with us through the trials, that you carry our infirmities, that you give us strength, God. You put us on your shoulder and you carry us. We are dear to your heart, God, close to you. You love us today. And Lord, let us live our life out in declaration to a world around us that we are holy unto the Lord, being set apart for your purpose, living by your principles, living holy. In Jesus' name we pray. God, we just pray for this assembly right now. We know that the government of this assembly is upon your shoulders. God, I ask that you will lead each one of us individually into revival in our own lives. For God, we are corporately only what we are individually. And we ask God right now in Jesus' name that each one of us would consecrate our lives to you. In Jesus' name we pray. God, reveal yourself through us. Oh God, I thank you for the testimonies of people that are healed the prayers of your people people that are being witnessed to even away from this city God I thank you today for it I ask God that you be lifted up and be glorified in every ministry in every effort in every Sunday school and every choir every song every every preaching every everything every message God our purpose in it is to exalt you glorify you declare to a world holiness unto the Lord God, we ask, God, that many souls we brought into your kingdom as you use us, God, priests, which have infirmities. God, we love you and we thank you today. And we rejoice. And it blows our mind, God, that you could use us. What is man that thou art mindful of Him? Who is man that art mindful of us? And the Son of Man that thou did this us, God. How? We thank you, Lord, that through your holiness. You have declared your judgment against sin, but through your holiness you have also declared your love, and you have vindicated your holiness by your death on the cross for each one of us. Let us apply it to our lives, and let us live it out and walk it before you and this world. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Let's worship him, Lord. We worship you. We offer a sacrifice of praise unto you, Lord, which is the fruit of our lips, God. We thank you, Lord, for the victory, the triumph. We worship you today that we're clean, we're cleansed, we walk out of here victorious. In your strength, God, in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Lord, for this assembly. Thank you for helping us to grow. We worship you for it, Lord. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Praise God. God bless you. We'll see you tonight at 5 o'clock for Bible study. If you haven't been through that class, it'll bless you. And then 6 o'clock, we'll oh, get ready. It's awesome, good stuff. Lord bless you. Go to somebody you don't know tonight, shake their, this morning, shake their hand, tell them you love them. Good to see them in the house of the Lord. Amen.